We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 253. I friggin' hate Tropicana Field. My God. The Yankees, that is a house of horrors down there. The place is an absolute dump. It's a joke. It's a circus. It's a big top tent. There's a circus going on underneath it. The Yankees don't know how to play in a circus, apparently. Uh, the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are pulling their pitcher to play third base and going back to the pitcher. Then the pitcher is going back to third base to field the ball. Can't field the ball. Won't throw the ball. Yankees don't do anything against the 19, uh, 19 pitchers per game that the Tampa Bay Rays are throwing out there. The place is a freaking joke. I think we're playing um, not baseball when we're in that place. I don't know what we're playing, but it's not baseball. That's not baseball, Susan. The what that the is Rays not do baseball, Susan. <laughs> but at it's the like same cricket. time, at the same time, it is getting the most out of a very very thin roster, especially now where I saw their depth chart tweeted out after the Evaldi trade. Their only starting pitcher who is currently healthy is Archer. They don't one even start, have starting one pitchers. <laughs> it's, so it's the, the crazy thing about that team is that I mean I got to give a lot of credit to Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash yeah. is doing a phenomenal job with that team. I don't it's know true. if this whole bullpenning thing was thrown on him or it, it was you know partially his idea. If he's you know on board with this whole uh, Joe Madden esque type of charade that they have going on in Tampa Bay, but 
Um, he's doing a good job. They have a lot of young players who I think everybody, including me, especially me, underestimated uh, you know, their abilities. And these guys are definitely using that, I think, as a chip on their shoulder, and they're playing good baseball. I mean, offensively, they have some guys who can do some damage that nobody has any idea who they are. And, you know, it's, it's working occasionally. I mean, they're a, better than, no they're a better than average team right now. I know. It's still no excuse, though, for the way the Yankees have been playing, especially how, they, how they've played this season in Tampa. Um, I think this uh, is trust me, I'm not building this team up to say that they're <laughs> they're better than you know than than we expected. So we should lose to them. That's not what I'm saying by any uh, means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still think we should win 19 games against the Tampa Bay freaking <laughs> Devil Rays. That prediction backfired. God damn it! I mean, well, what do you what do you expect when we do bold predictions? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm putting the kibosh on bold uh, bold predictions in the winter because no. all it does is make me step out and say something stupid that I don't really believe. No, we just go go bigger, go home, Scott. We go bolder next winter. <laughs> But I think this is the first time, first point in the season, with everything that's happened this week, the Yankees are playing mediocre baseball. We've got the whole debacle with Gary Sanchez, Hustlegate. We've got also trades happening. It has been a wild couple days uh, for the Yankees on Yankee social media. It it has really been uh, almost exhausting following everything that's been going on. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Plus, you have to like decipher through what is actual news, what is just fluff, what is clickbait, what is, what is uh, you know, real reporting. Now that like half the reporters are no longer with their with their uh, beats any longer because there are major layoffs in the New York papers too. Like, so you got to find out like what is actually happening. It's very hard to, to, especially when you're on. If you go to like the Bronx Pinstripes Twitter and you're trying to comb through things, it's impossible. Oh, impossible. impossible. You got to set up some lists on that bad. Boy. Yeah, yeah. There needs. There's a. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that we need one because we pro- we do already have one. There's burner accounts out there that you know let allow us to see the n- real news. Okay, <laughs> just leave that there. <laughs> but uh, like, you also get like the assholes on Twitter that not only make the fake accounts but also retweet old tweets that will definitely yeah. dupe you, like that J Hap. Uh, tweet from 2014 and the Mariners and uh, a couple of our guys got taken on that one. It's happened a couple of times. There's a there's like a fake Yankees PR one that got us a, like a month ago too. It's uh, with the fake check mark. Like they they put some kind of a blue oh, of emoji thing in there. there. You yeah. know, yeah. Get a it's, get, uh, get a job. Get a job. Going <laughs> to be a very busy episode uh, coming up, Scott. You spoke with Connor Foley, who is uh, covers the Rail Riders for the Scranton Times Tribune. That is going to be the second half of this episode, so everybody stay tuned for that. But also, just want to uh, quickly talk about the BP Crew event on Sunday evening. It was rained out. The game was rained out. Last we recorded, Scott was half dead. I was on my way to the event, so haven't had a chance to talk about that. You know, it didn't work out. The game, the game got rained out. There was something I was hoping as I, you know, as I was getting in the cab to go to the Bronx Brewery, it started to downpour, and I just had a bad feeling. the The rain was trying to hold off, and then you could just tell once it got to be eight o'clock, uh, the tarp was on the field. There were no uh, no grounds crew in sight. It, you knew it was bad news. Yeah, nobody even went out to the bullpen. I mean, it was it was unfortunate, and the news the uh, the weather was looked like doom and gloom from from like a week out even longer than that people knew there was this this big front coming in uh and there were some pockets of hope but they closed very quickly and uh yeah it couldn't get it in it's unfortunate it's the first one that we've had rained out it's one of those situations where i've dreaded every single event 
Um, unfortunately, I wasn't there to, you know, to, to be there with everybody. I would have I would have liked to be in the misery with you guys. I truly would have. Uh, well, it wasn't but, necessarily misery. Well, no, it, I, I'm it just was saying like, the fact that there's not a game. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's like Captain going down with a ship. I feel like I should be there, although I was right. dead to the absolute world. So, um, yeah, I appreciate everybody uh, hanging in there. Yeah, you standing out in the so in in the downpour rain would not have been a a good move on on your part. But you, it was no one was miserable. Everyone was still having a great time. A ton of people showed up to the pregame party at the brewery. New faces, old faces. It was great to see everybody and and try to uh, mingle and talk to as many people as possible. And then as the game was in the rain delay, we were at the stadium for maybe an hour and a half. Uh, while the game, while it was just raining, we were all standing underneath and back of the section, getting beers, getting food, just talking. So it was still a really fun, fun time. I had a, had a fun evening. It just, you know, it didn't work out for the game. And um, you have a quick update on some tickets because I know some people have been asking about that. Yeah, so the, the way that the tickets are, it's a... Um it's it's pretty standard for a, a rain out. And, and again, I'm sending an email out. I, I was going to send one out today uh, after I heard back from our ticket rep. I just haven't had a chance, so I'm going to send it out uh, very soon. But the the ticket, the way that the tickets work is the, the rain out is what, August 13th? That's the, the scheduled date. If you cannot make that date, um, you can, one, you have that ticket. It's your ticket. You can sell that ticket if you want to, or you can use the credit for that ticket to go towards another game um, that you can attend. And that can be done at the box office. And I think you can do it all the way through, I want to say like July, 2019, but, but through next year. So um, it's not like you're going to lose a ticket. You don't lose the value of the ticket. You can, you can put it towards a game. Even if you can't attend the rain scheduled, uh, the new date, you could put it towards any other, any other game um, that you can attend. So I think they have some restrictions on like premium games and things like that. Um, if it's not this particular game, but that, that's it. That's yeah, really that the only August, restriction. That August 13th game, that's a Monday. That's still going to be a Subway Series game. I'm yep. going to be there. Um, so if you guys are still going, hit me up. Let me know. I'm going to be in Section 205. Hopefully we get a good number of people who were originally going to come to the event at that makeup game. It's still going to be a ton of fun. Um, I'll, I'll probably tweet out a location, maybe where we can meet beforehand, grab a few drinks. It won't be an official uh, BP crew pregame yeah. party, but it'll still be a little gathering. Well, I think it'll be a, a bigger than a little because I have everybody's email address who signed up for the the tickets and all that too. There so you go. We'll we'll communicate through there as well to uh, to make sure that there's a, a good you know meet up at a bar before the game too, and we'll we'll make another little thing of it. But um, again, it's not going to be like the we're not going to go through the whole gamut that we did uh, the first time. So um, the next event that we are going to be doing is that's the one you can go get your tickets to now. That's August 18th. That's the 1998 celebration reunion game where they go out and they you know, celebrate the team and, and, and recognize all the players. They walk off from center field and do a whole thing. Um, so go, the tickets are on the website, go get your tickets. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, and yeah, and then we have one more after that in September. Um, that one is not on the website now, but it will be, uh, this week at some point I'm, I'm, I'm actually getting everything up. So, uh, two more events to close out the season. And then I can guarantee this guys, if we do make the playoffs and I'm going to, I'm knocking on <laughs> oh, wood. Oh boy, this is I'm where we are at it. this point right now. No, I'm not jinxing. No, no, you know where we are right now? I'm not jinxing anything. That's what I'm not. That's where we are right now. So smart. that's why I'm speaking like this. If, if we do make the playoffs, we, we will have, uh, we have the ability to, to get a lot of these tickets if we get them, uh, you know, with certain quantities. So, um, 
we did it last year for the wildcard game. I think we had, I don't even remember how many it was, like we 30, had, 40 I think we people. had 20. No, we had, I think we had I think 20 it was more seats. Than that. Okay. Either way, either way, we had a, a solid amount of, and that was like a very last minute thing. This one, we're going to, hopefully we have a little bit more time to plan out um, and we could put it out there and get a good group for section 205, 206 for any of the playoff games too. So the difference is, is that I got to buy all these tickets, you know, um, well ahead of time. Uh, that's just the way it works. Um, but again, we'll we'll figure that out when the time comes. But that's uh, that's also on the docket. So keep that in mind. If you are anticipating going to a playoff game, um, I guarantee you're you're not going to get a better deal than if you did it through us. It's that's a fact. All right, couple. Uh, I have three bad stats, is what I'm calling them, uh, that are kind of highlighting how the Yankees are playing recently. The first being is that they're 600, or excuse me, 500 against Tampa and 500 against Baltimore. Six and six versus Tampa, five and five against Baltimore. We all know that story. It's been beaten to death, but it is absolutely right now the reason they are so far behind the Red Sox because the Sox are nine and four against Tampa and 10 and two against Baltimore. So that's the first bad stat. At the end of the season, if we look and we're two, three games behind the Red Sox and we don't win the division, that is the reason why, because the Red Sox took care of business against crap teams and the Yankees could not. Stat number two, the Yankees have only won more than two games, uh, have not won more than two games since June 21st. So it's been a long stretch of win one, lose one, win two, lose two, a lot of mediocrity in there. Then the last stat, the Yankees only have one home run since the All-Star break. That's Aaron Judge on Saturday, which I actually had to like triple check because I didn't believe it because all this team does is hit home runs. Yeah, I mean you're not gonna you're not gonna immediately change the way that you score runs after after the All Star break like that. So when you see that there's only one home run since then, you should be looking up and down and not seeing a ton of runs because it's not like we hit with runners in scoring position. It's not like you know they're they're a tremendous. They've all of a sudden become a tremendous baseball team and hitting with score, runners in scoring position after the All Star break. So that's a big problem. It's it's a huge problem, especially and- when you rely on it. I mean, you don't want to say that you rely on it, but guess what? <laughs> we do. We rely on the home run ball to an extent, maybe not completely. I don't think this team is completely relying on the home run ball, but the stats back it up. They say that it, when, we, when we're hitting home runs, we score a lot more runs. And when we're not hitting home runs, there's just not very many runs cr- crossing the plate. Not a, not a big, small ball team. No, and well, they do get uh, quite a few sack flies. I think they lead the league in sack flies, but the runners in scoring position issues, which we've talked about a thousand times, are really highlighted when the two-run and the three-run home runs are not happening. Yeah, no, it's an issue. It's an absolute issue, and it's it's something that, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to last. But I, I think one of the problems is when you have a big swing and miss team, when you have a lot of uh, guys who had to hit a lot of home runs, um, and, and there's not a lot in between. I mean, we've had Glaber Torres out, who's another, who's one of those guys I think that brings a lot of balance to this lineup. He's not a, I mean, he's hit a bunch of home runs this year, but he's not a big home run guy. He's a gap guy. He's going to be a doubles guy. He puts the ball in play. He hits for average. You need those types of players to surround the guys like like Judge and uh, Stan, even though lately they've been hitting for average too. But like you need those guys in there to to be able to supplement the days that they're striking out three and four times a day. You need the Glaber Torres. You need the Anduars to go in there and, and get those doubles, get those uh, those base knocks, and, and go station to station a little bit and play that game because... You know, to be efficient as a ball team, as an as an offense, you gotta be you, you gotta be able to score in multiple ways. And obviously, we're seeing it's becoming a, it's becoming a very big problem. Speaking of Glaber, they did get him back in the lineup on Wednesday afternoon. Yankees were forty five and nineteen with Glaber Torres in the lineup this year, and without him, this also includes before he was called up. They're nineteen and seventeen, so they're barely above five hundred without Glaber Torres. I don't know what to make of that, other than the fact that we know Glaber's a good player. 
But um, he the the team did take off at the end of April when he was called up. Yeah, whether that's him or you know he's just part of the equation, or it was you know coincidental timing it's and the a fact nice that he little came up coincidence. I think I, I think it's a nice coincidence. I mean, not to say that he doesn't make a, a large impact, but his WAR would be stupid if if, if you're looking at a guy <laughs> like that and you're looking at those wins. I mean, maybe you should uh, write a letter to uh, to the Sabermetrics folks and, and show that because. If if that's actually uh, you know anything to do with Glaber, then you know we need to figure out why that is and bottle that up. But you know it's good to have him back, no doubt about it. I and mean, he he brings stability to that second base spot. He brings another bat into the middle of the lineup, and you know he's just an all around good player. So good to have him back. And surprisingly, Neil Walker actually held his own for the few weeks. He started hitting, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, course. not that surprising though, right? Because he had relatively well, constant it, playing time. It had been it had been a long time though, and we had not seen Neil Walker have I know, any signs the, of life. But the problem is with him is is the the way that he's effective for this team is when he doesn't have the constant playing time. So this is we we kind of led up to this. We said, I, I mean, I, I pretty much expected him to hit better, you know, to a, to a certain level when he's getting this time. But that doesn't do anything for us. What does that show us? It shows us nothing because that's not his role on this team. His role on this team is a secondary player that gets sporadic playing time and sporadic at bat. So if you can't perform under those situations, then what are you to this team besides a guy that can fill in if there's an injury? Uh, you know, it's a it's a tough spot to to judge what he is then because he doesn't his strengths don't play to what we need him to do. The uh, the Yankees have been struggling offensively, like we've said, and the pitching matchups kind of broke in their favor all all week. With um, I know Sunday's game was rained out, so they did not have to face Degrom. That was going to be a tough matchup. Who knows if Degrom's either even going to be a Met by the time August thirteenth rolls around? But there's maybe also just a good likelihood that he doesn't pitch on August thirteenth. That makeup game does mean though the Yankees play twenty straight days from July thirty first to August nineteenth. I don't know if that's a bad thing anymore because it seems when the schedule is easy, the Yankees don't play well. And then when the schedule is against them, the Yankees do play well. So who knows? Hey, screw it. Maybe that's a good thing for this team. Yeah, if you're looking in the short term, for sure. Like we could see how that's a good thing because this team does get up. But, you know, that, that extended time with no days off is, is extra grind on the body. It's extra. Uh, it, it probably increases percentages of injuries. Like a lot of these things breaking down players towards the end of the season. I mean, all these things got to be in consideration when you're talking about, you know, fewer days off towards the end of a long baseball season. And the Yankees don't face Blake Snell because he gets scratched. And then your boy, Nate Evaldi, Nasty Nate's going to be pitching up in Fenway for the Red Sox now. He was traded on Wednesday. I don't think you can be the president of the Nate Evaldi fan club now that he's a Red Sox. I mean, I I told you that shift that shift sailed when he was. you know, when he was complaining about the feel of, of the pitch and the feel of the fastball, like you lost me on that one. But it's it is disappointing to see that they got a relatively quality start starter for the back of their rotation for practically nothing. Um, their number the, 15 overall prospect. Yeah, and, and their prospect system is shit. <laughs> so speaking to their 15th prospect, I have no idea what that means. Like I legitimately don't. I don't know how that quantifies you as a prospect because if the if the system's already bad, that's like saying the fifteenth prospect when Ref Snyder was our number one prospect. Who is that guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, does that guy exist? Does it matter who that guy is? So you got they basically got him for nothing, and he's controlled next year, is he not? So uh, this, no, I don't think so. I thought he had one more year on this deal. I thought it was a two year deal that they signed him for. 
Or was the did he lose a year because the of year, the injury? I think the year was last year because he didn't I pitch so. last year. So yeah, I think that I'm might. Looking have been it up right now as we're talking. But either way, the you know it's it's a guy that that will uh, if you remember the time back when he was a Yankee, he would throw five innings, keep you in a ball game, and and that was it. Like his pitch count will go up, and he would he wouldn't get deep into the game, but he would keep you in the game practically every time. You know he would get a lot of ground balls. And that's just that's just not somebody I want on the Red Sox because that 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 actually does help them on their fourth and fifth day. Uh, yeah, so he's going to be a free agent after this year. Okay, I so, guess the, a, so the second I, year was was this year. The first year was when he was injured. Yeah, they were paying him to rehab essentially. But I guess it's a good move for for the Red Sox and Dombrowski because they didn't give up much. It adds uh, insurance to their rotation. They're still going after bullpen help. But again, Nathan Ovaldi is not going to win the Red Sox the division. If the Red Sox win the division, it's going to be solely because the Yankees have struggled against teams they should not be struggling against. But but the thing is, is the they're playing the same the same game that the Yankees are going to have to play at some point. Is they're going to need guys in the back of their rotation to eat innings, right? Like that's going to have to happen. You got to yeah, have those guys there. With, they're concerned with Pomerantz and Rodriguez's health, which right. is why they're where they went out and added Evaldi. Whereas the Yankees, what we saw them do this week is Cashman's evaluating the starting pitching market he's not liking what he's seeing he's not I mean friggin the Jays are are apparently asking for Clint Frazier or Justice Sheffield for Ja Happ and he's saying pound sand I'll go out and get Zach Britton yeah I mean Cashman's gonna gonna pivot and do these do what he needs to do to to um, make a a good deal for the Yankees so uh, I'm I'm sticking with the the trusting cash mantra this is what I do I trust in the man and uh, I, I think you know, we'll talk about the Britain move, but I think it was a good deal given what they have, given uh, seeing what they got back for the um, for the package that they put out. I think it was a, a, an extremely good value, and uh, you know, I think he I think he did really well again, especially for getting a guy who's getting better and better and getting healthier and healthier. Yeah, well, let's talk. Let's just talk about the the Britain now because I, I have a, a very strong feeling that we're going to go down a deep rabbit hole on Gary Sanchez. So I want to get some stuff out of the way before we do that. <laughs> Um, Britain, Dylan Tate, Josh Rogers, and Cody Carroll are going to Baltimore. Tate was the prospect the Yankees got back from the Rangers when they traded Carlos Beltran. And then Rogers and Carroll were both having pretty solid seasons for the Rail Riders. Um, all, I think it's, it's an interesting move because a lot of scouts are saying, you know, Baltimore did pretty good for a reliever who was coming off an injury and who's going to be a free agent. But at the same time, you're looking at the Yankees' current minor league system and saying, all three of those guys were going to have to be added to the 40-man roster unless they, if they wanted to keep them this winter. And those prospects are not the top guys. They're not the guys that are probably going to be helping the Yankees in the next couple of years. So they were expendable in the Yankees organization. So it was, it was definitely interesting to hear some of uh, Connor Foley's comments actually on the, the one guy. He thinks they'll both be contributors, spoiler alert, but the, to the, the horrible Baltimore um, rotation and bullpen, but Carroll was one of the guys that that I really didn't know a ton about. But he uh, he was really uh, talking highly of him, baseball wise. Talking you know talking that he he's hitting a hundred and um, was you know just just doing well and 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 thinks that he can be uh, become a, an even better player. So um, that's that's great. You know, like you said, they had to be added to the forty. Wasn't going to happen. There's there's a, a number of these guys where our forty man situation is going to be. Uh, it's an issue. It's it's not. A, I wouldn't. I'm not going to say it's an issue. It's something that they have to think about. It has something Brian Cashman has to think about when doing these deals because he's not going to be able to sign all these guys and he's going to lose them for nothing, peanuts, um, unless you actually package them into a deal like this. So the 
the the deal is that the fact that Carlos Beltran is the gift that keeps on giving is terrific because you basically flip Carlos Beltran, a journeyman pitcher, and uh, maybe maybe a a relief reliever at some point into Zach Britton, who two years ago was the best closer in baseball. So you know, yeah, pretty pretty ago. good little. It's two years ago. I get that. Like he's coming back from an injury, but. He recently he's looked a lot closer to that guy than he has the um, the the guy that started the season. Definitely, I encourage you guys to go check out. We have a couple articles on Britain that were posted today. One of them by Frank Marco is really good um, analysis of, like you said, why Britain's trending in the right direction. His whiff percentage and ground ball rate is is trending in the right direction. So that's good news for the Yankees. And what he does is he provides more depth in an already dominant bullpen. And I have to imagine Chase and Shreve is the odd man out when Britain joins the team on Thursday, right? I mean, it makes sense. You don't. I, I don't really know why you're. You're uh, the only thing I can think of. And I threw this uh, this little nugget out in our in our uh, Bronx Pinstripes behind the scenes chat. Was you know when we're looking at the at the pitchers when we're looking at like the um, the starting pitchers on the market and, and we're looking to see what Brian Cashman might be able to acquire. And then you look to see what you have currently. Well, are any of these guys, is J.A. Happ, is Cole Hamels currently, where they stand right now, are they better than a, a guy like Adam Warren if you flip him around and make him a starter? I, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure that they're better. You know, may, on their best day, they're probably better. But if you give them, you know, seven to ten starts, I would I would argue that they're pretty damn close. So I think that that uh, that Warren is a guy that could easily be turned around and stretched out and thrown into the rotation if need be, because you're going to need something's going to have to give in that well, in that bullpen. So I mean, are you I talking about like that? Are you talking about Warren a starting being a starting pitcher? Yes, pitcher or being an opener? No, you're not talking about bullpenning. You're not talking about bullpen. No, I'm not talking about this bullpen. I'm not. I'm not in the circus. <laughs> I, the circus we left Tampa. Okay, no more talking about this nonsense. They I could. Talking, they have enough guys where they could do it, and I and I could really see a situation where they do it as the fourth game in the playoffs. If they okay, don't want in to the start playoffs in a short situation and something like that, it's a different story than the regular season at this point in August or almost in August. The I'm talking about t- turning him around and making him a starting pitcher because I don't think it would take that much for him. He's already kind of stretched out. He can go multiple innings currently. It wouldn't take a lot for him to go out there uh, you don't, and, and transition into it. You don't think they would try that with A.J. Cole first? Well, I think that Warren's proved that he's done it before. He's done it in pinstripes before. You know, he's been that guy who, who's been a swing man. He's been the, uh, the, the, the number four or five guy in this rotation before. It's a... It's a it's a situation and a, and a role that he's done before, and we've seen that Adam Adam Warren's really good at things he's done before. But if he goes to a different city and tries to do those things, terrible, terrible yeah, things good, happen. Yeah. But when he comes back, all of a sudden he's good again. So, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised in that because he's got experience in it. AJ Cole is is definitely someone you could look at too. He started the season with the Nationals as a starting pitcher, and he was a starting pitcher for the Nationals last year. Well, so there you go. I mean, I think either one of those guys or both of those guys could be targets for, for that particular role. But there are options, not not just minor league guys, not just the Sheffields and the Chance Adams of the world. We got guys on the major league roster right now. Some would say Chad Green. I think that's a bad idea. But uh, they, they, could, they could come in here and I think admirably fill in as that fifth starter. I think what we've seen with Chad Green is his fastball is still elite, but his slider this season has not been as good. And if you're saying moving him to a starting pitcher role with just a fastball, I think that's asking a, a lot. No, I him. said no. I said no, that's not a good idea. I, I was reiterating yeah. as to why you, you why I thought you were saying no. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's way too <laughs> much to risk. some context to the, <laughs> to the thing. Entirely too much to risk for, for a guy like him. I mean, one, he's, 
you know, we haven't seen great success out of him. He's he was like he was Luis Sessa and these all these other guys before he was Chad Green. He came over with Luis Sessa he for did. Justin Wilson from uh, the Tigers. Yes. Um, so I would not I would not be a proponent of putting him back into a rotation where you need more than two pitches to become an effective starter. You well, just, maybe he, he does. Maybe he tries it in the off season, like we thought. Maybe he was going to try it in last off season, but it's yeah. that, that's not a mid season move you make with Green. No, hell no. We, that's not even to me in consideration. But Warren and Cole, I think a thousand percent are are absolutely in that ballpark or in that pocket where you could do that. And I would feel comfortable. I I, I legitimately would feel probably more comfortable, honestly, than giving up like a big name to go get J.A. Happ or, or Cole Hamels or whomever this this fifth starter that we're trying to get who's not, he's going to be an eating center. I would feel just as comfortable with a guy like Adam Warren who turns himself around, stretches out, and becomes our fifth starter, and that becomes his role. I would probably become, I would probably be more confident and, and, and comfortable with Warren in that role. What about honestly. if you're not talking about giving up a big name for Happ? It's close. It's that close. I, I do. I think Hap's, been, Hap's been bad recently, but not, not... I mean, he hasn't been horrendous. Overall, his season has been pretty strong. There's some rumors heating up now that the Yankees are talking to the Jays about Hap even more. Like I said, the, the, the Blue Jays are asking for either Sheffield or, or Clint Frazier, which is never going to happen. But if you, if you kind of just break up Hap's season in the first 13 starts, he had a, uh, a 371 ERA and a 348 FIP. And then in the last seven starts, he has struggled a bit more. Um, 520 ERA, 462 FIP. Perhaps if you kind of break that down by game log, you can see some games where he had blow up, blow up games, like the one against the Yankees. Um, and I know the earned runs, he didn't give up earned runs against the Red Sox, but he still got hit hard. He still gave up that the grand slam heard, heard around the world to Mookie Betts. So, you know, Hap has been up and down. That's what he is. He could go out there and give you seven strong innings. He could go out there and get his uh, brains bashed in in four innings. It's just that is the risk you're running with Jaw Hap. Th- that's the thing, though. Th- that's that's what I don't want. I don't want a guy that's that's going to give me you know uh, a, a good start one day, and then who the hell knows what he's going to give us the next the next day, and he's going to be so bipolar in that sense. Going to be the Jekyll and Hyde that we've seen you know so many times now with with Pineda and Sonny Gray, and I mean it just it doesn't end. I would prefer a guy that's a little bit more constant and, and you know that's going to go out there, is going to grind, is going to compete. He might only give you five, uh, six innings max, but you know you're going to get um, uh, you know, a, a good start out of him that will keep you in the game. And to me, that was that was Evaldi. I think Evaldi would be that, that guy. Uh, but again, you're going to have to give up something, apparently not very much. Uh, but I think Adam Warren can absolutely be that guy. I don't know enough about AJ Cole as a starter to say that I would would be comfortable with him, honestly. I've and seen what I he's think done at this and, point. And he's looked good, but who knows? Right. I think, is. I think with the looking at how the Yankees have used him sporadically in short relief appearances, they're not comfortable with using him as a starter either. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they know enough either. I mean, Adam Warren is a known commodity. He's been around the organization for a long time. They know what they're going to get out of him. I, I just, I, I, I trust him. I have a lot of, I have more trust in him than I do. Um, and these other guys. And maybe that's delusional. Maybe that's a mirage. I don't know. Uh, well, the last to... time Warren has started a game, he was with the Cubs. So he has not started a game since he came back to the Yankees. Right. But he, uh, the year, I'm looking it up right 2015, now. Games, 2015. 2015, 17 games started. 17 starts. Yep. And, and you know, he pitched, a, a, he finished the season, um, you know, he, he, I remember him going and, and, and doing well as a starter and then going to Chicago 
um, when he was flipped around, played Chicago in 2016, and was abysmal. It was just a terrible, like he was lost. Like he was, I'm wearing the wrong color pinstripes. What's happening? I don't understand what's going on right now. Hey, but he got a, uh, did he get a World Series ring out of it? I think he did get a ring, yeah. He wasn't, yeah. he did get a ring. Yeah, that's got to be the worst kind of World Series ring to win is the one that you uh, your team you started with wins and then you're not even on that squad. Or I guess the, the Tyler Clippard one's pretty bad too. You, you just bounce around a couple teams because you're so bad. You wind up being on the Astros to finish the season but don't make the playoff roster. Yeah, it's – I don't know what you do with the ring at that point. I mean, you accept it. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy I got this ring. Thank you very much. You pawn it. Do you, you pawn it, you put it on eBay, you donate it. It depends how much cash. It depends if you're strapped for cash or not. Yeah, like Latrell Sprewell type, uh, type, type right. thing. Yeah. Um, not that he ever won a title. I just also want to mention a bonus to the Zach Britton coming to the Yankees is that Houston and Boston does not get him. Do you think that actually played a significant role into the signing and, and potentially added more prospects to what, they, uh, what Cashman was doing? Well, I think... In a sense, yeah, because I think Houston and Boston were both in on him. So not necessarily that Brian Cashman's main motive was to keep him from those other teams, but he was competing with those teams. And so in a sense, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. I think, I think it's, you have to look at that part of it because if you're, if you're, let's say you're on the fence and you don't want to um, you know, throw in a third player, whatever it is, you know, I'm just making stuff up at this point. But if there's some arbitrary you know piece that you have to add in order to beat those guys you do it because not only are you getting the player at that point but you're definitely keeping him away from a competitor who's already both of them are very strong and it's a need that's the other thing it's a very big need for both of those guys so i i I think it's a not only an addition but it's an addition by subtraction as well from the other teams right right definitely all right let's get into hustle gate gary sanchez everybody at this point knows what's been going on with sanchez he had the two just absolute dog of plays on Monday. In the first inning, he got crossed up. Ball bounces away up the third baseline. He loafs it. He takes a leisurely stroll like he's walking in the park on a Sunday to go grab that ball. Meanwhile, the runner from second base, Bowers, is is sprinting around the corner, around third base, and he scores on that play. You could tell Severino was immediately pissed off because that should not have been a run. He should have just been stranded at third base, but that was a run. And then in the ninth inning, with the bases loaded, two outs, the Yankees down to their final out, down one run, he hits a ball up the middle and just assumes, jogging up the first baseline, assumes Hicks is going to be thrown on at second base. He's not. Tries to kick it into gear at the last minute. It's too late. He's still out by five five steps. It was just... It wasn't five steps. Ten Ten, steps, whatever it was. No, no, no. no. It was was way less than that, which is, to me, significant. It was like two steps, a step and a half. Okay, fine. He should have been safe by two and a half steps, not not out by two and a half Uh, steps. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It It was a joke. It's significant how close the play play was, even with him not running. 5.39 seconds to get down the first baseline. Yeah, I could do that backwards, but um, look, there are, there are so many layers to this thing. Because, a million layers. Because you know everybody's pining, everybody's talking about you know the injury, the injury, the injury. That's that's the one thing. Look, first of all, I don't think there are very many people on Kerry Sanchez's side. I, I I will say that. I think. Oh, there's a contingent out there that there's not very many forgives him because he was quote injured. Okay, not very many of them. There really aren't very many of them because because people who have. Uh, sense and they're and they're thinking about this logically and they're talking about a guy who hits a ball up the middle 
and is watching the play the entire time and is jogging and loafing and doing what he would normally do, no matter if he was 100% healthy or if he had one leg. He would be jogging and loafing it, watching the play, because that's just what he's been doing. And then all of a sudden he realizes, wait, hold on a second. The, the, there was a play. He's safe. He's safe at second. Safe at second. Aaron Hicks is busting his ass to get to second base. I got to run. I got to start running. And what did he do? He started running. Miraculously, he started sprinting. He started, well, the groin. The groin was hel- was healthy on those last. Uh, two it was steps. healthy on the last two. He 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 turned the the turbo jet on. And was like, oh, I got to run now. I got to run fast. So the, it was there. The the ability to run fast for Gary Sanchez was there. And he turned it on when he realized he was going to look like an idiot, but it wasn't there for the first four, you know, for the first quarter of the, uh, of the base path. Like to me, that makes no sense. The guy was, has had the ability to do whatever he wanted to do. He could have run it out and he would have felt it afterwards. That's what happens. He played well, from the first inning through what was that? The eighth, ninth inning, eighth, ninth inning, ninth inning. Game. It was the ninth inning and played all the way through the entire game injured, uh, uh allegedly, and, well, and was I, able listen, to to get there. So people are people are probably right now saying, "Do you not believe that Gary Sanchez was really injured?" So I, I'm sure the MRI showed something. I'm sure it, it he's not quote 100. percent Most guys at this point in the season in late July are not 100. percent The fact is, Gary Sanchez was healthy enough to come off the DL and healthy enough to catch a full game. He was and healthy a rehab enough stint. and he a was, rehab stint. Right, he was healthy enough to run harder than he ran. And he even admitted that after the game. He said, I should have run harder. And then the next day, when the injury stuff came out, he doubled down. And I give him credit for this. Injury is not an excuse. I should have run harder. I'm a lazy lazy ass. I should have run harder. It doesn't actually hurt that badly. So whether or not he is injured, which he's on the DL, he's going to be out a month, which I am shocked about. Um, That doesn't matter. The fact is... He dogged it on two separate plays that cost the Yankees Monday's game. Yes. That is, that is 100% the bottom line. Injury or no injury. He continued to play. He f- was physically able to go out there and play. And it was, a, it was an effort problem. It was a lack of effort. And when I see that, I, I want to vomit. I wanna, I, it, it makes me more angry than anything on the baseball field. I don't, give a, I don't care if you are freaking Chris Carter and you play the bases... The, the sport, eyes closed. If you're out there trying your hardest with your eyes closed with one well, hand. We did have some meltdowns last year for Carter. That's fine. But you know what? At least the man was trying. I give him credit for even making to the major leagues. That is a feat in <laughs> it's and a miraculous itself. story. I don't know how he did it. Disney's making a movie about it. Stephen Drew. You know, eyes wide shut too. Eyes wide shut too. He, the guy, but he, there was there was. No, I never questioned an effort. I just thought he was a bad baseball player, and it was <laughs> annoying and frustrating to see him go out there. It was more on the fact that they wouldn't give the opportunity to Ref Snyder. That's why I became a Ref Snyder fan because it was really just like, get this other guy out of here. I you were really an anti Stephen Drew fan. Yeah, that's that's how it really came about. But so, but the bottom line is, if you don't give an effort. In a game with with you know thousands and thousands and millions of people watching that are passionate fans that pay money to watch you do this, and you you make a ridiculous amount of money to go out there and play a game that everybody every one of us would love to do, and you're not trying, bro. You lose me on that. You absolutely lose me. And I guarantee, not only did Gary Sanchez hurt the team that day, but he lost a lot of fans. He did. He lost mm-hmm. a lot of fans because when that lack of effort is shown it shows a an arrogance it shows a, a, a an ability to not connect with reality 
it shows so many things as a, as a person, as the way that you play the game. And to me, those are, are some of the more, more fundamental and, and big reasons why I root for guys is because of how they play the game. There's so many guys you could say that weren't the greatest players, but their effort was always there. They always would hustle their ass off. That's why I respect what Tebow's doing. He, the guy's busting his ass, doing what he tries to do. He's not the greatest player. And yeah, he's using some of his fame to get him to a point, but he's not dogging it. He's trying his ass off. He's legitimately trying to be a baseball player. I, I can't, I can't <clears> fault that. So with Gary Sanchez, I think um, what he's lost with me is I'm no longer going to come to his, immediately come to his defense. Because I think for as much as we've criticized Gary Sanchez's blocking ability, we've said he needs to get better on that. Largely, don't you think we've come to Gary Sanchez's defense? I mean, we were certainly in his defense when there were morons out there saying that Austin Romine should have been the starting catcher back in April because Gary Sanchez was on, an, on a slump. So I think... That, for me, has been lost because now, now he's gotten to a point where he cannot be pulling this shit anymore. I don't expect him to run sprint every single time because that's not realistic. I, I don't think. It's not realistic for him. It's not realistic for a lot of players. You're down 6 nothing in the fifth inning. You hit a ground ball to shortstop. He's not going to sprint down the first baseline. I get that. Yes. But he needs to sprint down the first baseline, groin injury or no groin injury, in the ninth inning of a, a one-run ball game. That's the difference between a game. So that's really where he lost me. And, and the whole thing about, um, I don't even know, I lost my train. If off. you're going so to be a gamer, I mean, if you're going to be a, like, if you're going to get credit to be a gamer and, and like that's part of this as well, and people are saying that, okay, you're, you, you know, but he toughed it out. He went in the first inning and he was injured and, right. he, and he played through that's it. What I was and people, say. people he wanna, said that. People want to say, that's fine. But you know what? If you're going to be that guy, if you're going to wear that hat, you better run your ass off in the ninth inning too. Because you're in the game. You're, you're putting your team in a liability for playing through it. And that's fine. Like, I, I have no problem with when guys do that, honestly. Like, I, I like that. But you got to, you got to be, try, you can't not try because of that and then use it as an excuse later. If you're not going to try because of the injury, take yourself out of the game. You exactly. don't belong in the game. Yep. But if he, you, you, if can't be, really you can't injured. be both guys. You can't be the tough guy who goes out there and does it and then dogs it because you're injured. Like, no, you, you need to choose a side here. You can't do that. It, it doesn't work. Uh, I, and also, I'm sure there's some people in the Yankees clubhouse who probably lost some, lost some patience with, with Sanchez at that moment. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think it was extremely apparent in the first inning that Gar that um, Severino lost his patience. You know, whether it was just a, a short term thing in the in the immediate situation when he when he saw him loafing after a ball that was crossed up, that very well could have been Gary Sanchez's pro uh, fault for for a cross up. By the way, do we know whose fault that was? The this is look. There, there, there are so many layers to this because the other thing about you're talking about like the fact that we defended him. Like we defended him when there was something relatively uh, that you could defend on, right? Like, okay, so we're talking about him not being the greatest blocker or not being. Um, let's just focus on the blocking. Like, yeah, okay, not the greatest blocker, but he's got all these other assets. He helps the team in so many different ways. Uh, he seemed to have called a good game. He he could frame the ball well. He's the best offensive catcher by far in the league. There's no doubt about it. He's the Yankees are better with Gary Sanchez on the field. Hundred percent. I have I will never argue anybody about that with who's currently on the roster. I I believe that. But when you have a guy, I don't care what your ability is, and that's not trying, all of that is gone. It's gone. It's an immediate deal breaker. It's an immediate deal breaker because then, one, you can't be trusted. Your teammates can't trust you. Your pitcher can't trust you, especially when you're a part of a, a, an important battery like that. When you lose the pitcher, you get frustrated. Like, how do we know that how much of, of, of Severino's bad start wasn't 
leftover frustration because his pit, his catcher was throwing the wrong signs well, up. Well, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm just saying. Like we yeah. don't know that, but that he was clearly been part frustrated in the first inning. They got into a heated argument in the dugout. I'm not going to to uh, blame Luis Severino's struggles on Monday on Gary Sanchez. I'm not blaming it, the whole thing, but it's, part, it's a part. It's a it's a piece of the puzzle. I posed this question on Twitter and I got a mixed response. Say in the ninth inning, Gary Sanchez strikes out. Yankees lose. Gary just walks back to the dugout because he struck out. Does he go on the DL the next day? Or is the talk just about that first inning play and if if uh, Boone is going to bench him? It's a really hard question because, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. Um, I don't. I, I, here, I'll probably, answer. I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I, if, I don't if, think so. If the situation is similar and, and the fact that because I don't think that the the injury was enough to really like hinder any, many of the things that he was doing, I think this is the Yankees playing it safe with their with their uh, their number one catcher. Exactly, well, playing it safe it with with public perception. I think no, I, I think public public he's screwed in public perception already. But no, the the injury saying look he's injured now he's on the but DL takes away a, a lot of people are buying it a lot of people aren't criticizing him as harshly because he is on the DL now I don't think that matters at all I don't it think the Yankees give a it, shit what it the doesn't matter to me of, but uh, it matters to people I don't think it matters that much to people that that once this is done and you saw what happened and you saw that he's still running even though he's claiming he's injured and he played an entire game they're they're speaking to like the one percent of the population then because that's that's it's not. I a think reason it was a convenient. I think it was a convenient timing for them to move on. They did not have to address this directly head on. They if if Gary Sanchez was fully healthy, Aaron Boone would have had to answer the questions the next day. Are you benching him? Yes or no? Are you reprimanding your catcher yes, for dogging it? And they didn't have that. to answer those questions the next day because they just put him on the DL. So I think I, it was a. Conv- I agree. Gary Sanchez is not one hundred percent. But I think he was healthy enough and would still be on the active roster if those plays did not happen. Well, you're talking. You're, you're saying the first inning didn't happen either. Definitely, that's, if both that's didn't where happen. he apparently injured himself. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, well, I mean, I'm just saying dude, that's what he says. So I, I, they would have said if it happened in the third inning, that's what they would have said. If it just happened in the ninth inning, that's what they would. The said. bottom line just, is they were going to say something. I, so I, I think that the ninth inning play really took it over the top. That is what was the headliner the night of and the next day. Yankees catcher dogs it down line, loses yeah. ball game. That was the headline. All right. To me, to me, it's an easy spin either way, honestly. If he's, if he's injured and the play happens, boom, injury, DL. If he strikes out but he's still injured, then you have to be careful with him at that point, DL, because you're being careful with a guy and you're, you're, still, you're still saving him from that first play. So I still think that they put him on the DL, whether I think them talking about a month. Like to me, that's the alarming part. The fact that they are talking about like September, end of August, September, like that's alarming. That's exactly how long it was the first time. Four weeks. Right. So, so it's the same injury, exact same injuries, exact same injury. Not just a re-aggravation. I I, I don't think they actually took another MRI. I think they just reprinted the first one. (laughs) The the copy, just threw it on copy. Someone um, got the wrong file. So, Go get a copy of this. They come back with a bunch, just a bunch of ass photocopies. The uh, look, the, I think he would have been on the DL no matter what because I, th- I still right. think the Yankees would have would have played it safe. You know, I think you they know I love the I think controversy. Though you know, I love the conspiracy. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It totally makes a lot of sense. 
Um, I just don't think they're as much concerned about this PR at this point. I think they're more concerned about the product on the field, the Yankees themselves. I think Gary Sanchez already did the damage. I think he, he the damage was done because well, the people like, that have half a brain don't believe the fact that he was loafing was because of the injury and he even admitted that it wasn't the reason. Right. And I think that when he comes back, he has no, this is, he's on strike two already. With well, yeah, that's the problem. The problem is this, he's not a first time offender. Like Gary Sanchez has, has kind of had that label. I mean, part of the blocking, honestly, he got benched in Trenton because of this part of the yeah and 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 he's you know had countless disagreements with joe girardi about these probably these very same things Ooh, i want to bring that up too and, and and i'll tell you a lot of the blocking when we were talking about the blocking i know i said it it's a lack of effort i think it was a lack of focus a lack of effort a lack of preparation i think a lot of that went into it a lack of conditioning i mean you could you could the list goes on and on and all of those things add up to a guy that's not taking his profession hundred percent seriously, and that pisses me off. So yeah, I, I you know I know he's a great hitter, but I also think he's a very uh, a talented hitter. He sees the ball, he can smash the ball. Blocking is not a sexy thing to do. It's not fun to do. It's not something to go and, and when you have to work on the, the the guy, you have to grind to do that. You have to spend a lot of hours and hot days in the Dominican Republic to to fix that because it's not happening in this in the season. It's happening, you know, on the during the off season. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of grind work. Does he have that in him? Maybe. Has he shown it? Absolutely not. He hasn't shown it, and that's concerning because, you know, I was thinking, so the first inning play happens. He knows he screwed up. It was obvious that he screwed up. Just think back. When you mess up, like back in college, you did not study for a test. You bomb it. You're going to damn well study for that next test, right? Maybe you're not going to study for the the two after that one, but at least the next one you're going to make an effort. You're you're not asking the right person. Honestly, I would go drink and then just forget about my problems. Well, okay. (laughs) You you are exactly the type of Gary Sanchez because Gary Sanchez messed up. He knew he messed up in the first inning, and he he should have been on his best effort behavior for the rest of the game. And eight innings later, he wasn't. You know, so you know, so it's it's not ingrained in him to right, try that's hard. The, that's the problem, right? The 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 fact that it's uh, inert, like inside of him, it, that it's part of his makeup. That's the problem I have, and that's the biggest concerning thing. Because at the end of the game, he wasn't thinking about that. Oh, I screwed up early. I need to try harder now. He's he wasn't thinking that I need to grind it out every single time. I need to make up for what I did. He was disappointed that he hit the ball at the guy, and that was it. It ended there. The disappointment took over his body. He stopped running, and he sulked. And he started moping and was 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 putting his head down like freaking Eeyore and was just was just you know and 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 then he realized oh was he? I'm about to get embarrassed I'm about to get embarrassed uh, the play is still happening the guy in front of me busted his ass to get to second base to continue the play and now I'm loafing it and I'm gonna look stupid so I better start running all of a sudden that's the problem because the- that was that was ingrained in him you're right. That was a problem because he was watching the play and nothing mattered after the disappointment of him uh, hitting the ball to the, the fielder. Nothing mattered after that to him. Honestly, that's perhaps the biggest issue with all of this. Yes. Is that I'm not sure that he's ever going to change. And, and, it's, and it's really frustrating with players like Sanchez because the ability is off the charts. Right. If, if a pl- We've already said this, but if a player sucks and he doesn't try, you move on from him. People are, are saying... You got to trade Gary Sanchez now. And I don't think that's the answer because I don't think you're going to get proper value for Gary Sanchez, one. And two, the Yankees are, with with Gary Sanchez, that's when the Yankees are at their best. When Gary Sanchez is playing well, 
being uh, a good catcher, uh, leading the pitching staff, and hitting home runs. That's when the Yankees team is at their best. He's not doing that this year. It's going to be a completely lost season now for Gary Sanchez. He missed a month already. He's going to miss another month. He's got this big debacle in the middle of the season. 2018 is completely lost for Sanchez. Look, all of this, all of all of these things being said, everything that we've talked about, uh, you know, the knocks on him, everything that he's done. Uh, this this does not this does not put me in the camp of I'm, I'm I give up on Gary Sanchez. That's not me. That's not that's not how I feel about certain players. I feel that anybody and everybody can make a concerted effort to change the way that they do things and become better. I, I truly believe that, not just baseball, everywhere. Uh, this is a completely drastic example, but it's a good example, I think. Look at what Josh Hamilton did. When Josh Hamilton was was drafted by the uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at the time, actually, he was, I think he was the number one pick, right? The, the number yes, one pick. number one overall. Was, was um, in a bad place, super young, super immature, into drugs, went to jail, was in the tool, just a, a bunch of bad things in a very bad place. He got help. He fixed it. He got whatever he needed to do, and he went back to the baseball field, and he fixed it, and he became a disciplined baseball player and became an all-freaking-world talent. Uh, I'm sorry. The all-world talent that he he always had, that he always possessed, came out. And and, and that is, you know, uh, like a beautiful example of a guy. Again, it's drastic. It's not remotely close to what I'm talking about here, but it's an example of somebody just making a change in their life and having that God-given ability that Gary Sanchez absolutely has and, and making a, a small change in the way you do things. Because I don't think it's a huge change that he needs to do, but I do think it's it's a mindset thing. It's a mindset thing that he needs to get better at. And, and you know, maybe it's just work ethic at that point where he needs to work at a certain... Diff- you hear about the work ethic and everybody says it's off the charts. I have a hard time believing it. So you're saying Gary Sanchez has a drug problem? <laughs> But you know it's That's it's crazy. It's crazy because Josh Hamilton was a guy that everybody gave up on. Uh, the kid uh, Beckham from from uh, also the Devil Rays. Why are the Devil Rays drafting all these all these uh, cons at the at the at the at the time they're drafted, and they become they realize their talent later. But Tim Beckham was another guy who went to jail. Right, was a high draft pick. Came back, had the talent. The talent was there. Fixed a couple things. Tweaks a couple things inside, and, and boom. Guess what? Talent's still there. And then you get your mind right. Boom. You, you start seeing good things. Have we exhausted the, the Gary Sanchez topic? Do you want to move on to criticizing a decision on Aaron Boone? Oh, man. I don't know. I could talk about this Gary Sanchez thing for a long time. It's, sure it it's was, not going to be the last time we talk about it. It was, it was one of the... Oh, yeah. We, we, for, we failed to mention the all-time backhand that the New York Yankees gave out on oh, the yeah, very next perfect. morning. Really, which was, really which ironic. Which was a thousand percent a scheduled... Uh, a tweet that was a, a scheduled award on a given day. It was already preset. Um, like it was probably in Hootsuite's ready to send out like the, before the game, uh, the heart and hustle award going to the backup catcher, Austin Romine. It I was mean, maybe you, my you, favorite ever tweet by the New York Yankees. You cannot get more poetic <laughs> than that. You really can't. It was, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. A plus. They forgot plus. that that was scheduled probably. And they saw it go up and they're like, shit. Yeah, and they couldn't delete it because that would have just been worse. So, so this kind of goes against your argument about trying to save the PR because they just threw it right back in his face. I guess so. <laughs> it's it was it's such a mess, and um, but him going on the DL actually does save some of the PR nightmare because otherwise Gary Sanchez would just be riding the bench for the next probably three games if I had to guess. I wouldn't even guess it was that long. 
I wouldn't well, think he, it was Alex. It would, whatever. When's in Sunny Gray's next start? Tomorrow, Thursday. So it would be. It would be after the. He would get the start after the Sunny Gray start, probably. Okay, that would have been three games. Okay, three games. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Aaron Boone's decision to bunt in the ninth inning before the Gary Sanchez mess happened. So the Yankees got the first two runners on. Didi Gregorius is up. Number three hitter. Didi Gregorius is up with no outs. Didi bunts. Did we ever get a confirmation if that was Boone's call or if it was Didi's call to bunt? Um, I, I don't have a 1,000% confirmation. i got to believe it came from the dugout, though. I, I 100% would say it came from the well, dugout. Well, and even so, because Boone, uh, Didi missed the first bunt. So yeah. if, it, if it was Didi's own decision, Boone could have told him to stop doing it, regardless. Okay. I was just second, a little second-guessing of my own second-guess there. But that was a bad decision, I think, because not only does it take the bat out of Didi's mm-hmm. hands, but it takes the bat out of Stanton's hands, because of course they were going to intentionally walk him. Yeah, I have no problem with the call. Like, Didi's not your typical three-hitter in the sense that he can't handle the bat and, and, and lay down a bunt. He's a shortstop. He should be able to do it. Uh, after I saw the first bunt attempt, maybe I would have called it off because he should never even attempted at that ball. It was, it was was The ball was not even close to the strike zone. It was a terrible pitch. He should have never attempted the bunt on that ball. Um, I, I don't have a problem with the play itself. So this is this is one of those situations where everybody's going to crush him if he doesn't get the runner over and uh, or, or crush him in so many different scenarios. If Didi rolls a ball over to the right side, he advances the runners. They walk Stanton. If Didi goes there and, and th- uh, grounds into a double play, there's two outs, they walk Stanton. There are so many other situations where they walk Stanton or Didi doesn't get the job done that that come into play for, for this exact situation. So what, what did he do? He guaranteed himself a one-out situation with the bases loaded. That's what he did. He guaranteed himself with a one-out situation with the bases loaded with Aaron Hicks on the right side. To me, that's a pretty good gamble. And you're down by one. You got to tie that game. You have to tie the game first and foremost. You can't worry about the go-ahead run. You got to tie the game. 100%, that's the initiative. So by doing that, by loading the bases with one out and you have your guy, a switch hitter, from the right-handed side who's a stronger hitter from the right-hand side, uh, up and all you need is a fly ball or a hard ground ball somewhere. Infield probably would have been in. Tie game. I got no problems well, with it. I I understand it if we're talking about Romine bunting or Neil Walker bunting or, or Higgy bunting at the bottom of the order to get the top of the order back up there. I get it. But I would rather have first and second no outs, having Didi swing away and having Stanton swing away. I think I think that gives me a better chance to. to I, I, so so look at the percentages though. Like Didi hits a fly ball to the right side. Okay, let's say he he because it's going to go to the right side. We agree with that. I mean, the ball's going to the right side. Let's all be honest. If it's a fly ball, yeah. I mean, most, he doesn't okay, hit fly balls. If it's a ground ball on the left side, it's a double play ball. So it, if he hits a fly ball to the right side, okay, Gardner who was on second, if I remember correctly, right, he yep. tags up. Stanton still gets walked. <laughs> still gets walked. One hundred percent. If first base is open. No, it doesn't have to be open. You don't think Kevin Cash is walking with, with a runner on third to, to, to line up the force. I still think he's going to walk him. The guy's nine for nine. You, all he needs is a fly ball. You're not going to take your, your chances with Aaron Hicks at that point as Kevin Cash? I am. It's, it's a similar situation to what Boone had to do in, uh, in Toronto. Just so the, this- the smoke is not, you know, Aaron Hicks is not Justin Smoke. So what was it? Uh, there was a one-out situation with the bases loaded, Correct. So, it's about the same yes. expected runs probability, 1.5. Throw your metrics out the window. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> you're well, that's, that's, small that's, percentages. 1.5 runs is the average runs you score in both situations. First and second, no outs, 
and bases loaded one out. You're expected to get 1.5 runs in both situations, according to the run expectancy table. <laughs> All right, whatever. Uh, <laughs> my eyes say that you have a guaranteed bases loaded situation with one out, guaranteed bases loaded situation with one out with a guy on, on, on his strong side to get a fly ball. I'm taking that opportunity. I'm sorry. I'm taking that opportunity. That, to me, is a higher percentage play. We haven't even got to the fact that Luis Severino gave up 11 hits and seven runs to a lineup that had G-Man, He-Man, Choi batting cleanup. Hey, don't talk shit about He-Man, man. He was a, he was a, a, flash, of, a flash of goodness at first base last year. Severino has had three bad starts in a row, and if you look at his season, he allowed six home runs in his first 18 starts, and he's allowed six home runs in his last three starts. He's getting hit harder. His velocity was fine in this start. He was still throwing in the upper 90s, but again, his pitch, uh, his location was off. His off-speed stuff was up in the zone, and, and the two home runs to, to this Rays team. Um, I kind of gave him we the, the start in Toronto where he just gutted through five innings, fine. That, that's what Severino does when he's not on his game. Then he went to Cleveland, and we're thinking, okay, maybe he's just a little gassed right before the All-Star break. But this time, he's coming. He's got extra rest coming out of the All-Star break against Tampa. This, this, this one, I, I kind of got a little worried about Severino. Yeah, I mean, I'm not there yet, but you definitely want to see a, a, a correction at this point. You want to see him come out and, and be you know, the Severino we've seen in the first half, uh, the aggressive, you know, dominant guy with, with all that confidence that's, that's locating his pitches for sure. Um, I think we need to see that to, to feel good about it. But it, it has to be concerning to a, to a certain extent because when you that's three in a row. I mean, that's a lot. And I, I understand that the All-Star break was a, a big gap in between there, so kind of throws things off a little bit as well. Um, you know, he had, uh, he, he did throw an inning there. So there was, he, his routine was totally thrown off as well. But yeah, you gotta be, the reason you have to be so concerned is because he's the only, you know, he's, he's, the, the, only he's the only constant. Yeah. He's the only constant after, but before Tanaka did what he did, you know, he was the, uh, I mean, granted he's been pretty good since he's come back, but Severino has been the guy that we've been able to depend on. So yes, it's concerning in that, in that regards that, that he's, he's our, He's our savior at this point. He's the guy that we rely on. And if we don't have that, then yeah, then if, what if you don't have Severino, do have? if you don't have Severino pitching like the ace he was pitching in his first whatever it was, this team's uh, in way bigger trouble. This team is screwed if they don't have that from Severino. Yeah, it's it's um it's not a good situation. It's so yes, yeah, so, so I do want I want to see a better start from him. I want to see more confidence. I want to see I want to see him be him. Nothing is telling me that he's off. Like maybe. You know, maybe there's just a, a small tweak that he and um, Rothschild or he and uh, whoever the, the catching team need to, to go over because it could be, you know, an adjustment the opponents have been making because there's more of a book on him. And they're sure they are something. making adjustments. Yeah, that's so what happens. That that could be it. I mean, they could be they could be, you know, laying off certain pitches and, and just waiting for that slider or, or well, whatever. The, the biggest whatever thing is. is the fact that his slider was was spinning in the middle of the plate yes. pretty fre- frequently on Monday. So um, if he was throwing sliders in his same sharp slider and just the hitters weren't weren't swinging at it and then they were pounding his fastball perhaps that would be a little bit more concerning than the fact that he threw a bad pitch and got beat you throw a bad pitch you should get beat right yeah so again just we need to we needed to see something good out of him i think not that we need to see it at this point but it would be nice to see it, it so that we nice. can all so that we can all just kind of breathe a little easier yeah can we just we just need something yeah. to calm us down tanaka, tanaka helped out tanaka, helped tanaka out. did help out i thought it was going to be the bats that came out and, and had a fire lit under them on tuesday it wasn't it was tanaka who comes out complete game shutout three hitter his best start since the complete game shutout he threw at fenway park 
Um, Tanaka, we know what he does on extra rest. He's a beast on extra rest. Yeah, he loves that. I mean, we have the we we have the scenarios down pat that that he loves. It's a it's got to be a night game. It's got to be um, on long rest against another Asian starter. Boom, done. You, that day, like throw all of your money, your entire life savings on Masahiro Tanaka. Well, if it's a major, if it's a, if it's a major day in Yankee Stadium at all, like any kind of like a significant day, especially if Derek Jeter is involved, stay far away from that bet. Far away from that bet because he will melt down. Well, people are thinking, okay, here we go. Tanaka, second half Tanaka, October, postseason October Tanaka. We got him back. Tanaka-san. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe this is this is what we got after June maybe. 30 last year. This is We had a, a much different pitcher. Um, he threw so. um, 105 pitches, 65% of which were sliders and splitters. He threw a total of 16 fastballs. So um, his splitter and slider were extremely sharp. But we still saw the the focus, the leaning heavily on off-speed stuff. Right. But he did, th- he did throw the fastball uh, enough, obviously. And I love the fact that he was efficient because he was. He was a, an efficient uh, – it was an yeah, efficient outing as well. Complete game, and, 105. And we don't see complete games very often anymore. So no, the it's, fact it's, that Boone kept him going out there you know, when he was close to 100 pitches as well, um, you know, I, I like that. And I like the fact that – I think that gives a lot of uh, – it gives a lot of confidence and shows Tanaka that you know he's got a lot of belief in him and that he's able to finish these games if he can get to that point. So, I like it. And that gave the Yankees some momentum. They had a quick turnaround on Wednesday. Sessa actually comes out and pitches well. The Yankees catch a break. They're not facing Evaldi. The Braves are bullpenning again. Oh, now that's, Yankees, a break. now that's a break? Now that, well, that's the Yankees break? just can't friggin' hit this Tampa bullpen. <laughs> it is insane. Yeah. No, it's it's I don't it makes no sense to me. It's it's uh it's mind boggling. It's not like they're not seeing these guys. They're seeing these guys just over and over, over the again. Same guys over times. and over again. Yeah, one inning at a time. So the fact that we, we haven't seen these guys and it's one inning at a time, like you can't use that excuse anymore. These dudes are just they're like, you know, they get salt and peppered on you. Like at some point they're gonna be there and you've seen them, like, oh you again, one of your nineteen pitchers. It's it's crazy that they cannot go out there and uh and put some uh everybody besides Miguel Anduar who can apparently rake the, uh, the machine yeah he can rake the tampa bullpenning machine it's uh it's frustrating but sessa like credit to sessa one bad pitch really um was that home run uh to kiermeyer but other than that he went well five and a third it was super efficient i think he had 55 pitches at that point it's two good starts in a row for sessa because he pitched yeah. the six innings against baltimore does it's he 11, get another start it's 11 and uh, 11 and a third it depends on what happens with the market it depends it, I mean, throughout the season, thousand percent, he's going to get. He's probably going to get another five starts if they if he's the guy. Um, but it all depends on what Cashman does. Yeah, KC is coming into Yankee Stadium for a four game series. Um, KC sports the uh, worst team ERA in baseball and has scored the least amount of runs in baseball. So we're going to get our asses kicked. <laughs> Is that a recipe saying? for a 110 loss season? You <laughs> score the least amount of runs and give up the most amount of runs. Probably a, t- a four game series split if, if you're gun to my head right now. You know, I, I feel like this is one of those this is one of those series where it, they're they're going back home. They just left, but they're coming right back, and they're playing a bad team, and they could really really use this as a, a as a pounce series. Just jump all over this bad team at home. Get the crowd behind you because you know the crowd is lagging a little bit at this point. The whole Gary Sanchez debacle, the whole the whole fact that you uh, you know had a, a bad um, Friday night with the Mets, and then obviously this Tampa series. Like this is a really good opportunity for them 
to uh, to to get some some uh, some people in their good graces and to, and to to you know capture some momentum. So six I more games they before they go to Fen- uh, right? Isn't it six games before they go to Fenway? No, I guess there's more before they go to Fenway, isn't it? They go on uh, on the weekend, right? So however many games next weekend, not this weekend, the following weekend, right? So they've got the four games against uh, the Royals, and then they've got the two games against Baltimore, and then they have an off day, um, and then and then they go to Boston. So six games before the Boston series, you need to win all six of those. <laughs> I mean, this, if you don't see a better setup than this, than than the Kansas City Royals at home, and then the Orioles with the two games without Britain or Machado. I mean, come on. You got to you gotta absolutely do that. Josh Rogers is going to come out and throw a complete game shutout. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. Of course he is. And Cody Carroll is going to blow him away in the ninth inning. Yeah. Uh, quick note, CC Sabathia was pushed. He's going to start on Friday. So that means he has 13 days off in between starts. He's at 100 innings this year. They're clearly trying to monitor his innings um, just to keep him healthy. They need him to stay healthy. They absolutely need him to stay healthy. I think uh, a guy like Cece, this is this is the type of move that's very good for uh, a man's body who's you know thirty seven, thirty eight years old. So good. He, it's, a, it's a solid move. He does have those contract incentives where he can make up to two million bucks in bonus money if he reaches one hundred fifty five, one hundred sixty five, one seventy five, and one hundred eighty five innings. So that one fifty five would would kick in the first five hundred thousand bonus. He's gonna be he was gonna be close regardless. He's going to be very close now that he, he's really essentially skipping a start. Um, just might factor in towards the end of the year as the Yankees are maneuvering with the luxury tax. They're adding $4.5 million for Britain. They're agreeing to pay all of that. So extra five hundred k million bucks here and there might help. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's something to think about. It's not not total chump change when you're looking at it, even for a guy like uh, CC Sabathia. But we'll see. I think it's going to be tough for him to, to reach those those uh, those milestones. Indeed. All right. That's going to do it for, for the two of us. But uh, the segment with uh, Connor and a Rail Riders update and a lot of stuff going on there is, is coming up next. So stay tuned for that. Scott, any last words? Yeah, just uh, the, a couple of things to, to look at for the Connor. The segment with Connor is I know we've, how long have we how long have we been talking? An hour? <laughs> it seems like we try to do the half hour 45 minutes. I knew this was going to happen it just, today. It just There's continues in. too much to talk about. Um, but Connor and I actually spoke for a, a, about half hour, maybe even more than that too. So long episode today, but um, cut it in half if you want to. But we did, we talked, we touched on Justice Sheff- Sheffield, Chance Adams, Clint Frazier, how he's feeling, Tommy Canely, like what in the hell is going on with him? Um, Billy McKinney, Drury, and then talked about the trade. So a lot of, a lot of information from Connor. Uh, it was fun to talk with him and get kind of the uh, the details of what's going on in Scran. But other than that, man, we just need to take advantage of, uh, of what's in front of us and, and win some ball games. Hopefully we have a, a solid mood coming in on, uh, on Monday morning for our next show. Good stuff. Submit mailbag questions and voicemails for that next show. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. I'm as free as Andy Dufresne was standing in the rain after Escape and Shawshank coming out to drain. And these days you ain't holding me back. I'm flowing these raps. The painting ain't a thing when the music in my brain I maintain. Too straining, we staying on the path of the rappers. Tried to add it up all right, guys. I am now joined with Scranton Wilkesbury beat writer. Yeah, you can follow him at Rail Riders TT on Twitter. Connor Foley. Connor, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you uh, taking the time, man. Thanks for having me again. So I think there's a lot of people that are very interested in what's happening in Scranton right now because the Yankees are looking for. First and foremost, some warm bodies to throw a bunch of innings uh, towards the end of the, the, the back of the rotation. 
And the Scranton shuttle seems now it's turned into a starting, uh, a starter's bus rather than a reliever's bus. So <laughs> before we get into all the pitchers and, and each individual guy, um, can you give us just kind of an overview of what's happening in Scranton with the team and, and you know, how the guys are looking down there? Um, so they started off kind of slowly, which is weird because, I mean, I have people tell me on Twitter every time I tweet out a lineup that this team could beat the Mets in a five-game series every night. But they were sub-500 for most of the first half of the season. Finally got back above 500 uh, a couple, maybe like a week or two before the All-Star break. Went into the All-Star break up five games. And then they played, they're coming up, or they came off a, a road trip through uh, Toledo and Columbus. Uh, it was really good for them. I forget if they were like seven and one or something like that. It was a really good road trip for them. But um, they've, they've been playing a lot better recently than they were in the start of the season. It seems like, I mean, it's it's probably tough. I mean, this has been the case over the past few years, but there's just so much turnover with this team because of the, you know, the big club. And, and it seems like they're, they have so many quality players that a lot of these guys keep getting pulled up and pulled back. And, you know, there's, there's fluctuation with, uh, with double A too. So I'm sure that's one of those, one of those things that the, you know, the, the team has to overcome is not, not seeing the same guys every day there. You, you never know who's going to get plucked out or, or even sent down to make room for somebody else. And it just seems like there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a revolving door in Scranton. Yeah, I was actually talking to uh, Luis Tessa about that the other day before he went up. Just like he mentioned how uh, he was just more comfortable this year in this role. And he said it kind of took him a while to get adjusted to going up and down and starting on a regular routine and not going on a regular routine and coming out of the bullpen and stuff like that. So, I think it's harder than the fans maybe realize. They think, you know, screens two hours away. How difficult could this really be for these guys? But there's a lot that goes into just hopping on the screen shuttle. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, it's, it's different when you're playing a ball game in a minor league city and then you're going to the Bronx or you're going to wherever they're playing that weekend too. So it's a, it's a big difference in that sense, too. You mentioned Luis Sessa. He's obviously now come up taking uh, Domingo Herman's spot in the rotation. The last two outings have been pretty good. I mean, I think he's – I've always thought he's had really good stuff. And uh, the, his last two outings, 11 innings, 11 and a third innings, uh, only that one home run today. So you're talking about his confidence. It does seem like he's building that confidence up to a, to a guy that's more comfortable on the mound, too. I mean, not just in the situation. I'm sure all of that goes into – you know, how productive you can be on the mound itself. But um, what have you seen from him when he's, when he's been in Scranton on the mound? It's crazy because I think he opened the season on the Rail Riders roster. And then I think he's pitched maybe twice for the team this year. Right. So, um, but I mean, the Cessna that we saw last year was always a guy who was like, this stuff is so good how can he only be getting okay results? Mm -hmm. And this most recent start that we saw him, which was a start right before he started today, he was like, he was unbelievable. Um, his fastball's always been really good, mm -hmm. but his slider in that game and the game before in Baltimore, there was just something different about it. And I asked him about if, he changed anything about it and he said no 
but just that he was kind of throwing it a little bit slower and he didn't exactly have a reason for why he was throwing it slower. But if you, like, it was probably like maybe a mile and a half or two miles difference on the slider. And I don't know if that was doing anything to it, but it was really, really good in Baltimore and in here. So I don't know. I mean, he's always been a guy that I've liked just because all of his pitches were so good. And, like, you don't see guys like that through this circuit. That's why, like, even with Herman too, and these guys have stuff that is just not not around in the rest of this league. That's the, that's the thing. I think we're, we talk about this stuff a lot, the swing and miss stuff, especially with Herman. I mean, his swing and miss stuff, you look at the, the, the numbers, and it's, um, you know, when he's pitching in the big leagues, the swing and miss Numbers are, are some of the some of the best in in Major League Baseball. At least they were, you know, for the um, for the for the beginning part of when he was up. Uh, I know he slipped a, a little bit towards the end, but I mean he he's got that kind of stuff. He he can miss bats, and that's and that's huge in the pros. It's all about putting it together. Sessa, I think, you know, he's been he's been kind of uh, hindered by that one that one pitch or the the one bad inning. You know, he he gets into the third or fourth inning and then he'll, he'll make a mistake pitch. And he did make a mistake pitch today, but it wasn't a, you know, a crazy hurt. It was a, it was a two run shot, but I thought he pitched really well. Otherwise, mm-hmm. um, speaking of the guys that you have seen more often down there, the, the two names that, that obviously come to mind the most, and, and we'll get to the, uh, we'll get to the trade in a little bit too, to talk about some of the guys that have left Scranton now, but Justice Sheffield and Chance Adams first with Justice Sheffield. A lot of people are pining for Sheffield to come up to the bigs, uh, especially because the Yankees are now looking for somebody to fill the back of that rotation, whether it's via trade or, you know, if it were to be a call up like Sheffield or Adams. Um, but there's, you know, there's obviously work that the Yankees want to see. What are the what are the big things right now that the Yankees are looking to see from Sheffield so that he can make that jump? Because Boone has said that he is close to being an option. Yeah, I was. Uh, it's weird because Sheffield. I forget what the exact numbers, but it's something like six or seven straight starts that he's made on the road. So we haven't seen him pitch since early June. He's finally going to pitch in front of us on Friday. So that's going to be pretty cool. But he did throw a side here um, last homestand. And I was kind of listening into it. And it was just like, it was so cool because anytime you hear pitchers like break down what they're trying to do is like, I don't know. I think it's awesome. Right. But, Sheffield was kind of um, saying, uh, you know, he can't afford to walk more people than he's walking right now. So that's that's number one, is that he kind of, he's teetering at uh, too many walks for a starter. He's like right on the edge. So obviously he wants to kind of knock that down. He and Chance Adams actually aren't that far off as far as ratio goes. I mean, they're 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 pretty pretty darn close, and I know that's one of the the, the big knocks on uh, on Adams too. So it's definitely one of the cleanups. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, Justice, uh, his last start out, he had a super long break in between starts. So because of the Futures game, and he only threw like an inning at the Futures game. So. I'm not really going to put too much stock in his last time out, but he did struggle with the fastball command in his last start out. But he's, he's the kind of guy that like, I don't know if he's ready to go up, but if they called him up and he went out and threw seven shutout innings, it wouldn't surprise me in the least because the best thing Sheffield has going for him outside of 
the mid nineties fastball and the ridiculous slider is the guy just wants to win and wants to win at anything. Like I saw him in the backfield in spring training and he got pissed because I forget if somebody hit home run off of him, but he was legitimately disappointed that he gave up a hit and an extended spring or not an extended spring training, but a minor league spring training game. I think it was even like an inner squad game, but he's just so competitive and, I think that's going to help him out in the bigs in a big way. I mean, you got to you got to believe that that's one of the uh, one of those attributes that that CC Sabathia saw because uh, you know from everything he said that they've they've become pretty good friends and he's become kind of a mentor to uh, to Sheffield. I know they go fishing when they're down in Tampa in spring training and things like that. So um, you know that competitiveness, obviously, that those two guys, that being uh, that and being a lefty, they have those in common. So that's. Uh, n- nice little guy to uh, to look up to as far as competition and uh, and success in the bigs. Now, is he is he? Uh, you, you said the 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 command issues are with the fastball. Is he able to locate that slider when he wants to? Is the fastball the lone issue, or is he is he having command issues with multiple pitches? It's kind of like he'll just lose it for a batter or two every now and then. It's not like a game wide thing. It's like out of nowhere he'll walk a guy on four pitches. Right. So. I think it's kind of like that is the stuff where he's trying to fine tune stuff and make that jump to the to the next level. Like you can't just, you really shouldn't walk a guy on four pitches just out of nowhere when you're already like dominating the team for five innings. So, yeah. So I think that that's, I think that's one of the, what I mean by his command was a little off. I mean, the last, the last start was I think because of the layoff, but even in the last start, he pitched really well numbers wise so he's just like he's a grinder and that's where the competitiveness comes in got it have they talked about innings limits or pitch limits or anything like that for him because obviously that's going to be you know a big determining factor and how much if he were to, to show up in the Bronx how much he'd be able to contribute whether it would be something out of the bullpen or you know if he's able to be used as a starter down the stretch you know any any insight on on how the Yankees are, are kind to are, you know protecting his arm at least uh, for this year? So I asked Bobby Mitchell that uh, a couple days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. But Mitchell said he's sure that some guys have limits, but he's not sure what the limits are or who has them. So it's a very, very, uh, you know, by the buck answer from Yeah, Bobby. super vague. <laughs> but I'm sure that. I mean, I'm sure that, I mean, it's the Yankees. They know what they're doing with protecting their young arms. And I don't think it's, I I mean, you can look at how many innings Sheffield threw last year and you know that he's probably got an innings limit that's going to be within reach at some point this year. Because he really didn't throw too many innings last year. He did go to the fall league, right, and getting a a couple games. But So, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's there. We don't know what the number is yet. But uh, I would be shocked if he just, you know, free run, throw as many innings as you want to kind of thing. Yeah, so. no, no. I, I mean, I don't even think that's that's even remotely possible. I'm just wondering if, if they're eventually, uh, if they do see him at that level where he's able to, you know, to, to make these starts in the major leagues, if they're going to somehow control those innings a little bit, you know, in the minor leagues, um, especially if they, if they see an opportunity to bring him up. 
it's going to be interesting because, you know, the way that the the um, starting pitching market is in the major leagues right now, you know, Brian Cashman's not really looking at great options. And and sometimes right. when you're looking within your organization, you know, there may be a, a, a better solution inside. Um, another potential solution would be Chance Adams. I know he was a, a big name last year. I think a lot of people wanted him to come up last year, but it seems like these walks a uh, similar story here is, uh, is is still one of those things that he hasn't really cleaned up and maybe taken a bit of a, a bit of a regression. I, I you know I guess this year, what's the uh, what's going on with Chance and and how is he uh, how's he looking down there? So media day, uh, right before the season started, Tommy Phelps mentioned that Chance had surgery in the off season, and nobody knew that this happened. And we asked Chance, and he didn't really want to talk about it at media day other than to say that he had surgery in the off season. So then a couple of weeks ago, I talked to chance more about it and he went pretty in depth as to what was going on. And he kind of said he was pitching through this thing for all of last year. And that's why we kind of saw like a, a slope downward and how he was performing in double at the beginning of the year and how he was performing in triple at the end of the year. It wasn't, it wasn't the same pitcher that was in double. A. So, um, and then Kevin Reese uh, was here a couple last homestand, and I asked him uh, about Chance specifically, and, and he kind of said like it's it's unfair to judge Chance off of this season because he's coming back from that surgery in the off season. So he kind of made it sound like they can't even judge where he's at right now. But I mean, just pushing past that, Bobby Mitchell's talked about how Chance needs to be more. Um, in his games because he'll throw a really good game and then he'll throw a game where he's out after two innings or a bigger thing for chance is like he'll get into a bad inning and the Yankees have a limit where guys can only throw 40 pitches in one inning and then they have to come out no matter what. So he's run into a couple of times like that where he, they've had to go to the bullpen just because he can't get out of one inning. Um, he almost ran into that yesterday, uh, his start was with a suspended game, but Tommy Phelps went out to talk to him next batter strikes out on three pitches and gets out of the jam. So there's, I don't know how to judge chance yet because we still haven't seen the guy that was there at double a and chance has said that the guy who was a double a hasn't shown up yet because, you know, he knows that he can throw harder than he's throwing right now because that's how he was in double a and, single A and stuff like that. But um, so I think he, he has, he would certainly like the fastball to be in the upper nineties where it was, but there have been flash chances said that as he gets farther and farther away from the surgery, that he feels better and better. So like there's been a couple starts here recently where his fastball was 93, 94, but now all of a sudden guys, can't catch up to it and it's got like that late life the chance that he had in tampa that was really good for him so i think it's almost still like wait and see mode with him even though this is he's been he's going to be a triple a for a season and a half now so i don't know with him yeah it's pretty crazy i guess what bone spurs was the uh, was the offseason surgery you really didn't hear much about it um you'd think that that would be in the elbow too you'd, you'd, you'd hear some more about what was going on um with his struggles there there have been reports. Uh, one of our guys, uh, Tom Hanson, wrote in 
to 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 talk to you about too that he was cranking the ball up, I guess, in the in, into the into the higher nineties as well. It seems like his velocity has been coming back, as you're saying. So that's that's something good. I guess we'll have to just keep an eye on that and and see how he's pitching. I mean, he's got to understand at this point if he's if he's got the ability to do that too, and and you know he's starting to feel healthier and healthier then there's a massive opportunity in front of him. And it seems like there's a, you know, there's going to be opportunity in the Bronx at some point down the stretch. I mean, it, there always is there. Something always happens with, with starting pitching, you know, you, you can never have enough and down the stretch, something happens. Um, and, and you're usually yeah, and, needing a guy like this to come up. Yeah. And like I asked chance too, like, since he doesn't have the fastball, like could there possibly be a silver lining in all this where he learns to pitch off of his slider and he learns to pitch off of his curveball and change up. And he's like, you know, yeah, that's obviously what he's had to do this year, but he would still, you know, he's not going to turn down being the guy that throws high nineties. So as far as coming back from the surgery, is this, is this just a, a, a conditioning thing at this point? Like, a, because if the surgery did what it was supposed to do, right? Like the, everything is cleared out. He should be good. Or are there still issues lingering from, from the Spurs? I mean, is that something that's still a concern or is this really just him getting back to, uh, back to form um, and, no, no. and finding that velocity? No, no, no. The, the surgery was fine. It's just, it disrupted his off season. Yeah. And, you know, guys will say that, you know, it can be a minor surgery, but if it throws off what you're trying to do in the off season, then, you know, it throws off your year, no matter how minor a surgery it is. So I think I think it'll be interesting to see how Chance comes through next offseason. I mean, even if he does go up to New York this year, it'll be interesting. But we'll see if, like, how he said he feels better and better the farther he gets away from the surgery. We'll see if that's, if that's really true. Another guy who's kind of fighting velocity and has been in Scranton for entirely – you know, longer than I think anybody ever expected is Tommy Canely. Um, he's the reports were that, you know, he was healthy. He came back up, didn't look good, went back to Scranton and has been, I guess, working on velocity and, and, and arm strength and conditioning that arm to, to get himself back to where, you know, where they're comfortable with him and, and where they, where they saw him uh, last year when he was a highly effective closer or a highly effective reliever. What's he looking like down there and, and how's the velocity? Um, Velocity is weird. People ask me that like after every appearance, like how's his velocity? How's his velocity? And I don't know how to answer it because it's in line with most of his career, but it's still slower than last year. But last year kind of looks like the outlier in his career. So I don't know what he was doing so well last year that he wasn't, that he's not able to do right now. Like it's still, 95 96 he'll hit a couple 97s down here mm -hmm. um but obviously it was much higher last year i forget what his average velocity was but it was maybe like 97 ish around there i'd have to look it up but um so he's i mean he he dominates down here because you know he's the guy who was dominating in the big leagues last year and triple a is not going to be much of an issue for him even if he's only throwing 95 or 96. So I don't, I don't really know what the deal is with, because he says that he's healthy because he, that was the reason why he came down here in the first place, right? Was because he had a little bit of a shoulder thing. He was trying to pitch through that. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know because they passed him over so many times when they've needed a 40 man guy between 
uh, like they call it Gallegos a bunch, they call it Obsessa a bunch. So I don't, I, I don't know how to explain what's going on with Camely, but I mean, he looks fine. He doesn't look like he's pitching through any pain. The stuff is sharp. Uh, it's just a matter of was last year an outlier or is there a way for him to get back to what he was doing last year? Yeah, it's a it's a mystery. It really is one of those uh, one of those crazy things when you look at what he did last year. And I mean, theoretically, he's healthy and he's still in Scranton. And they just went out and got another arm for the bullpen. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Let's uh, let's quickly switch over to position players. Clint Frazier is obviously a guy who's been up in the Bronx a, a bunch this year and a guy that is um, is is got a lot of Yankee fans excited. He is back in concussion protocol from from what I have seen last. Uh, I guess he was diving after a ball and he came up lightheaded. Um, can you talk to me about that and, and how Clint is doing uh, down there right now? So it actually happened in Baltimore when uh, Clint was running from second to third. Okay. He collided with Jace Peterson and he said he felt something there. And then what he did, he he said he felt something, but it didn't feel like a full-blown concussion. Mm-hmm. So then he's sort of feeling crappy, and he uh, is playing in that game for the Rail Riders. Hits the or makes the dive, hits the grass, and then that felt like I think he said that felt like a concussion. So he so head hit the ground I also when he dove. I think so it's tough to, i mean may, it, it didn't hit like severe it didn't hit like he hit the wall in, in spring training like it wasn't a bad hit i think it was just the jolt more so of hitting the ground um i don't know if he's technically in the protocol anymore right his diagnosis right now is uh something like post-concussion migraines mm-hmm. um he just showed up back here today before the game and he's gonna uh do some baseball activity oh, that's um good. So we'll see how he feels after that. I know that he's extremely frustrated with this stuff because um, there's just, you can't like rush the rehab or anything like that. You can't, you know, do your exercises if you pull a quad or something like that, you know? There's no way to speed this up. And I think that's what's frustrating most is like, he just wants to be playing and being a part of what, they're doing in New York and helping them out up there and uh he's such a good guy too like that's the tough part is just seeing him be so frustrated with stuff like this do you see this as because I mean when you're talking about head injuries and concussions and especially ones that continue to come back and linger over a period of time I mean that's as a, as a person first and foremost that's a that's a concerning thing you're talking about the brain the head um and you know does he does he ever talk about that have the doctors talked about that whereas this is something that you know they're concerned because it's lasted so long or or now that it's reoccurring um is this something that he's going to be dealing with for for you know a long time into the into the is this going to be you know part of the narrative of his career i don't know if doctors have touched on that or or if they've even talked about that scenario with him or or with you guys i don't think he's ever talked about like long-term stuff to us yeah i think um he's just sort of focused on getting over this one because I don't think that like concussions were a problem for him before that thing in Pittsburgh or not in Pittsburgh, but against Pittsburgh. Um, So I don't think he's necessarily worried long-term. He's just worried 
or not worried, but he's created with this term and how this has kind of like resurfaced. All right, Billy McKinney's another outfielder with Scranton that's uh, come up to the, the the majors, has gotten injured, and, and has has been back in uh, in, in the, with the Triple A club. It seems like he he had a, a good opportunity, and then unfortunately had a uh, just a, a an unfortunately timed injury. I mean, that's really all you can say about it. These some of these guys have just been unlucky, um, but he looks like he's having a really good year. I mean, he's he's you know battled injuries in his career coming over from. Uh, from Oakland to the to Chicago, and then obviously with to the Yankees, you know he was coming back from um, some injury then, and now it seems like he's hit a stride with some power too, thirteen home runs. So is this a we're past the injury? Are we seeing the real B- Billy McKinney right now? Where you know we're, we're seeing some pop, and uh, you know what's it seems like he's he's turned a corner, I think, in his career. Yeah, I would say overall, yes, he's in a little bit of a slump right now, but overall. Yeah, like from the Billy McKinney that was struggling in the Cubs and A's organizations, like that kid's gone. Like Billy McKinney is a legitimate baseball player. Like it's so fun to dream on what he would do with the short porch in Yankee Stadium right. because he's built for that. Like he has such a good pole swing. And uh, here at PNC Field, like the foul pole is 330. And the other day he hit one out of the stadium, which is. I don't know how much farther past the foul pole, but it's a long way past the foul pole. People don't hit balls out of the stadium uh, down here to right field. So he's, I mean, there's so much to like about him. Uh, but, I mean, it's crazy how how much talent they got for Ralph Stanley. <laughs> no, it's insane, especially when you saw, especially when you see the deals that are coming out now for relief pitchers. It's uh, for, for what they got for Ralph Chapman is is unbelievable. And, um, Billy McKinney's a, a great dude too. We've had him on the show in the past, like really, really nice kid, uh, super humble. Um, so I'm glad he's, uh, looks like he's putting it together down there. And, uh, you know, you know, have, do these guys ever talk about, you know, the fact that they know what's up in the, in the major leagues right now, as far as outfielders, uh, and, and the fact that there is a barrier for entry at this point, really to get into the club, you know, with the trade deadline swarming, are there, are there, is there buzz going around with, with some of these guys? Because it seems like Billy McKinney, you know, if I'm another team, uh, I know what's in the Bronx and I see what Billy McKinney's doing down in triple a. And I know, you know, the pedigree he is as a baseball player, I'd be circling him and, and, uh, and, and probably targeting him in, in any trade talks with Brian Cashman. Yeah. I mean, you would think so, right? Like yeah. certainly someone would have to be taking aim at Billy McKinney in some sort of deal. Um, but those guys don't really talk about going up and down that much. Um, because what are they going to say? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's tough. But, I mean, the outfielders have gotten, you know, some chances this year. I mean, Clint's been up, even though, you know, they have Judge and Giancarlo and Gardner and Hicks. And Hicks, or, I mean, and Clint's gotten some opportunities. So, I mean, Billy obviously would love to not run into that wall in Toronto again, probably. But sure. he's also the kind of player who's going to run into the wall yeah. in Toronto if he's going to make the catch. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 a tough spot for those guys to be in, but... um like the other day, they're sitting in the clubhouse, they're watching the Michael K show, and they're talking about whether they should trade Justice Sheffield, and it's Justice Sheffield, Billy McKinney, and Brandon Jury watching them talk <laughs> about trading Justice Sheffield. It's That's a very, nice. very weird situation, but I mean, their guys are not immune to what's going on with the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, so, 
mean, but yeah. It's, Drew, Drew it's is an interesting guy too to, to have in that mix because I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's a major league baseball player, and he's been stuck in tra- uh, in, in, in Scranton in AAA for the majority of the season because of another strange injury with the with the migraines and and the tunnel vision, and it seems like this guy can't catch a break, and he just got hit on the on the hand, um, you know. Up, up at the plate yesterday. So it seems like Drury is just, has also had some bad luck. What kind of an attitude does he have as far as in the minors? Has he been positive the whole time, just like pining for that next opportunity and working his butt off? I mean, he made the, the, the AAA all-star team, which I'm sure was a bittersweet moment for him in his career. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he's, I mean, he's been a professional about it. You know, obviously he wasn't happy with, you know, being stuck down here. Yeah. But, I mean, why would you be happy with being stuck down here? You know? Um, I think it was, I can't imagine what it was like for him to come forward about the board vision because it's like, I, I can play through this. I've been playing through this, but if I tell them there's a chance, you know, could my career be over because who wants a player with blurred vision? So right. he got over that. And then, I mean, he made the all-star team down here. He hasn't played here much in the second half because he's been kind of up and down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just another guy who has so much depth here. It's it's crazy. All right, last thing before we, uh, before we let you go, Connor, is this obviously the trade for Zach Britton. I keep wanting to call him Chris Britton, but I'm going to say Zach Britton because that's his name. Um, <laughs> the Josh Rogers and Cody Carroll, two guys that, that, that came from – uh, the Scranton area that you're probably most familiar with. Uh, what do you see of these guys as major league players? It seems like Josh Rogers' name was was room, you know, was circulating at some point for coming up and making a spot start at one point during the season. Um, is he more organization, organizational depth, or does this guy have uh, you know a good opportunity uh, to uh, to you know be a potential starter in the major leagues of Baltimore? Yeah, I would I would bet he's in the majors at some point this year. Yeah, um, he's. He started off like unbelievable right. and he was supposed to be a guy who was going to be in the bullpen down here. And then, uh, Sessa went up and there was a spot in the rotation. Rogers got the spot and he didn't let go of it. And he now, or he leads the team leading them in innings. And I think wins, I think he's got six wins. Um, but I mean, he, he was a guy who was super reliable for them. Uh, like a quality start kind of guy who, you know, might not blow a team away, but he's going to keep you in the game uh, for a long time. And he had some, he's such a good kid and he uh, had some brutal starts this year. Like one start, he gave up 13 hits and 12 of them were singles. And he's kind of like, how does that happen? Like nobody gives up 12 singles in a game. And then he went out in the second half of the season and did it again. Um, But, (laughs) I mean, he's, he's the kind of kid who's able to, you know, just kind of like laugh those off in disbelief and then go out there five days later and get ready to go again. Um, he's also uh, a huge part of the clubhouse. Yeah. Um, like the guy who's friends with everybody in the clubhouse, the guy who everybody likes in the clubhouse. Um, so I think that uh, leaving those guys was tough for him and, for the other guys, seeing Josh leave was tough for them. Um, but it's a good opportunity for him. I don't – I mean, it, it would have been – it's going to be tough for anybody to break the Yankees. So for him to go to a team where he's going to have an opportunity, I think 
he might be a little disappointed that he's leaving the Yankees right now because they drafted him, but it'll be good in the long run probably for him. Um, Carroll uh, wouldn't surprise me if he's up in the big leagues in a week. Um, his stuff is um, really, really good. The fastball, I think in the in the fall league, the reports for the fastball was at 100. And uh, I, Cody actually told me that he – did throw a hundred a couple of times, but it's more so like 97, 98. Um, and then he's got a slider that's like Batansis light kind of slider. Uh, he just, he can't control it as well as Batansis right now. Um, right now, but it's like, Batansis can yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <Well>, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Batansis can use it as a, at a big league level. Yeah, Cody sure. probably has to work a little bit on it but i mean there's been i forget one random game like higgy was like dude you threw some sliders that like i didn't i couldn't even see how they were moving because they were moving so much so he's got really really good stuff and he probably i mean who knows maybe he gets maybe the orioles flip him because i mean they're probably not going to be competing for a little bit a little while here still but you know maybe he pitches well this year, next year, and then teams want Cody Carroll again. And that's not bad for a guy who the Yankees took in the, I think it was 22nd round in the draft. So, I'd say that's pretty good value. Brian Cashman uh, tend, tends to do that, tends to find uh, the value in, in, in uh, under, under places that people aren't even looking. So um, another notch on his belt as far as player development and the Yankees really because they've, they've done a phenomenal job over the past, I don't know, four or five years, I think. Big step up. In player development, yeah, I think I think I think I tweeted out that Rogers was an 11th round pick and yeah. Carroll was a 22nd round pick the same year, so that's pretty good for him. One draft, I agree. It's it's uh, it took a little while for, be able for, to go out and get for them to get to that time all star. Yeah, no doubt, absolutely. <laughs> Connor, I really appreciate you coming yeah. on and uh, and taking the time again, guys. If you are looking to follow the Scranton Rail Riders and uh, follow Connor on Twitter at Rail Riders TT, he is the uh, one of the beat writers for the Scranton Times Tribune. Again, Connor, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Always fun having you on. No problem. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.